morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Sui. I'm gonna ready. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Back live again. I have survived my trip to Anime Milwaukee. And best yet, as you can probably hear, a new, clearer, cleaner microphone setup. But with that all said, we have a lot to hit today. And hopefully we can tackle it all still within our one hour. First things first, we need to talk about how there has been more evidence of Huawei being Huawei. The more and more info that just comes out, the more and more you wonder. Why have we not done more? I mean, before it was just, okay... This organization doesn't like them. This government's putting sanctions on them because they've been a little shady. But I mean, between the CES spying, the actual stealing of products to go reverse engineer them and violating trade laws that way. Now they have been caught targeting Apple secrets. This reported from the website theinformation.com in addition to countless other stories as well. It seems more and more Huawei is specifically trying to target the Apple Watch's ability to sense a person's heart rate accurately. So to that I have this, why? Like, like this is the part that actually blows me away. Apple doesn't exactly have a secret magical sauce on this. Many other smartwatches can, in fact, detect the heart rate as accurately as Apple's. The only difference that Apple's sensor is much more compact and can be surrounded by the induction coil that is used to charge the watch. But really, of all the things you're going to try and steal information from, you're going to be stealing it from the Apple Watch? What, were they too afraid to try and steal Face ID? The real sense camera? Were they too afraid to go after all the stuff that Samsung's been working on that has just been revealed? Although maybe they have been, and that's a big story over in Korea. It just seems a little bizarre to me that of all the things that Huawei would go out and try to steal, it's the heart rate sensor for the Apple Watch. Now, despite all this, despite the fact that Huawei is targeting Apple, the fact that Huawei has 
stolen prototype high-impact glass to try and reverse-engineer it. Despite all that, everyone else is is starting to ban Huawei from its 5G networks. The UK, on the other hand, is just like, nah. We're fine with letting them play dirty and just uh, just go sell whatever they want, you know? Because cause why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you? What's the harm in it? <sighs> like, normally I don't really care about who made the phone. I care about the technology in it, but Huawei is actually making me go out of my way to say don't get this phone because chances are they just literally, not figuratively, literally tried to copy and steal the tech from someone else rather than work on their own unique design. Heck, that might explain how Huawei got a triple camera phone out before Samsung did. It might. Who knows? Alright, let's shift gears drastically. I want to talk about a big update that has happened to Twitch.tv. And admittedly, it might seem like a bigger deal to me because as a Twitch affiliate... This update does affect me greatly. It also affects pretty much every single streamer on Twitch that has at least reached affiliate rank. Ever since the affiliate program launched, I said it made no sense... That the affiliate streamers get only one emote per tier. And honestly, to me, it made no sense that the affiliates got the multiple tiers. The the, the $10 t- tier sub and the $25 tier sub. That never made any sense to me. Because that seemed like something that should be reserved for the partners. Alright. I also said that affiliates should be able to get more emotes, and oddly enough, I said at the time, maybe five max emotes, and make us work for it. Just as the partners have to reach certain subpoints, make the affiliates reach certain subpoint totals in order to unlock more emotes. Because at least then those affiliates can at least sell a package of emotes to convey multiple emotions. You know, like something positive, something negative, something derpy, something, hey, how are you, how are you doing? That makes sense. Well, going on almost two years now, after the affiliate program launched, Twitch finally took my advice. They in fact did just that. Affiliates can now have up to five emote slots on their base sub tier. 
here's how the scaling works. Regardless of how many sub points you have, you have one emote. If you have 15 sub points, you get two emotes. If you have 25 sub points, you get three emotes, 35, four sub emotes, 50 points, five sub emotes. Five is your max. The other change to partners is that just by becoming a partner, they automatically get six emote slots. And then they get their seventh emote slot at 65, which is where they used to be. And their eighth emote slot at 80, which is also unchanged. And then the skill goes up from there. So, huzzah, huzzah, finally, affiliates can finally actually start working towards unlocking more for themselves, rather than just being, well, I've been an affiliate for two years, and here's my heart emote. Enjoy. Now they can make a package, assuming they work and get themselves to that point. I think this is great. Now, there are a couple of partners out there, and I saw this quite a bit on Twitter, that said this was dumb, and that, <laughs> and that affiliates should not, under any circumstances, Get more than one emote. That's so dumb. What? Only the partner should be able to have more than one emote? You think about it from the viewer's point of view. Why would anyone want only one? It made no sense. And what? You're going to be angry? Because the affiliates have to work to get more, just like the partners had to? Give me a break. It's a stupid argument. And any partner who has actually been make, making this argument clearly is not thinking outside of anything other than their own desk. Because the more you make any partner or any partner or any affiliate, anyone work for it. It means that you start getting better, better quality out of the streamers rather than here you go. Have fun. Now, that being said, I need to go dig up the contact information for the person who did my emotes, which I shamefully lost. Almost as shamefully as Facebook announcing a new feature to their Android apps that lets you disable background collection. <laughs> From ZDNet and, of course, like almost every single story I find reported from multiple locations... Facebook has made an update to the Android app that will 
allow you within the app to disable the Facebook app's ability to gather information about you on your phone. What? Could could you repeat that again, please, Facebook? A little louder? So they're just straight up admitting this. Yep. We've been spying on you this whole time. This is beautiful in so many ways. Because this is literally the curtain of Facebook showing off. Or Facebook hiding how it works. Just being lifted for everyone to see. It's about as glorious as watching the mystery of the Wizard of Oz. Being exposed to the world. And literally everyone thinking, oh, the wizard's a great person. It's just some guy with a with a megaphone behind a curtain. Except whereas the Wizard of Oz was just trying to say he was great and all he had was a megaphone and a bag of goodies. Facebook instead was literally stalking you. Without you knowing. In a related story, I made sure that Facebook was uninstalled from my phone. Because even though I don't go on Facebook, I still had the app on my phone. And in hindsight, I'm not sure why I was that dumb. Okay, let's shift gears drastically once again. We need to talk about the Samsung... Is it Unpacked? I think it's the Unpacked event. Where Samsung pretty much just goes out Apple style. And just goes nuts. Goes ham. And just unveils the everything. This is also stereotypically where the next Galaxy S device is launched. And yes, the Galaxy S10 was announced. And yes... It does, in fact, have a hole in the screen. There are a grand total of three S10 devices. There is a fourth one, but I'm, I'm going to ignore the fourth one, the, the 5G Galaxy S10, just because whoop-de-doo. You, you put a 5G antenna in it, and as I talked in... This morning's early burb briefing, we're we're kind of ha- we kind of have to glare at five G tech for a moment, very skeptically. Hmm. But I digress. There are three different models of the Galaxy S10: the Galaxy S10e, the Galaxy S10, and the Galaxy S10 Plus. The Galaxy S10e is a slightly smaller. I believe it's like a 5.9-inch screen with a single front-facing camera and two rear-facing cameras. 
And the front-facing camera, because it's an edge-to-edge screen, what they did is that they pretty much cut a hole in the screen, and that's where the camera rests. But they put it in the upper right-hand corner. Which, I don't know how they did it, but that seems to me a whole lot less obtrusive than the notch. In addition, all the apps go out of their way to make sure that the area with the camera is pretty much just used as a status bar. So it's not like you're losing screen real estate to the not really a notch, but still a notch. But it's not. It's actually really clever the way they did it, and it is a very good... A very good way to implement losing a chunk of your screen to a front-facing camera if you if when doing these sort of designs where the screen goes edge to edge. In addition, the new UI, the Samsung One UI, does away with an overwhelming majority of the normal Samsung Galaxy bloat that we have seen for a very long time. And on top of that, includes a system-wide dark mode. So not only can you can your can your phone be on dark mode, which would in turn make the phone much easier on your eyes, but because it's an OLED screen, it would also save on battery life. This isn't like an LCD screen where it just still shines light through but has the color there be black. It turns off the light there. It turns off all the pixels in the areas that are black, thus saving on battery life. How did no one do this sooner? This seems like the biggest no-brainer in the world. And oddly enough, Samsung is not pushing the dark mode forward as a battery-saving feature. But they totally should. Performance, we have an octa-core processor in there. An unknown amount of RAM. We're not going to get that until much later. The um, The battery life gets a little better as you go from the low end to the top end. The pricing, on the other hand, is a little oof. The Galaxy S10e starts at $750. The S10 starts at $900, and the S10 Plus starts at $1,000. Their screen sizes go from 5.9 to 6.1 to 6.4. The S10 and the S10 Plus both feature dual cameras on the front and triple cameras on the rear. The two front ones, one locked at 1x zoom, the other is locked at 2x zoom. The ones on the rear is Locked at 0.5 zoom, 1x zoom, and 2x zoom. Ignoring the price for a second, the S10 appears to be the Android phone that literally, not figuratively, knocked everything right out of the park. 
it's just on paper it looks like the best phone that is out there period you include that price on the other hand man though that s10 and that s10 plus seem a little uh they feel pretty out of reach I mean, I personally want, but yikes. That is going to be a very, very tough pill to swallow. Nowhere near as tough a pill to swallow, though, as the Galaxy Fold. The other phone that was announced during the Samsung Unpacked event. Oh, I forgot to mention one other feature. Regarding the Galaxy phones. They do include a feature. That you can wirelessly charge another device. Using the battery. In the Galaxy phone. So say you and your buddy. Let's say I had an S10. And like someone I was with. Had like oh I don't know. We'll say an iPhone, what was the most recent one that had wireless charging? Eight. I'll say an iPhone eight. His battery's dead. As long as Apple didn't do any sort of muxing on the inside with the wireless charger, I can just set my phone on a table face down. He can set his phone on top, his or her phone for that matter, on top of mine, and I can charge his phone that way. That is a neat feature, and I'd love to see that more. Alright, back to the Galaxy Fold. I want you to imagine for a minute. Imagine what two of the Samsung phones look like. Imagine they are pressed against each other. Their screens are facing each other. Alright? That's pretty much how the fold looks when it's closed. Except that on one side, of course, they're they're binded by a flexible material. And then you open them them up and on the inside is a tablet. With a chunk missing out of the upper right hand corner where they stashed a kajillion cameras and whatnot. On the front, it's a 4.6-inch screen. On the inside, it's a 7.3 screen, both of which are AMOLED, and both of them are foldable. Well, the one outside isn't, but it regardless. Now, that's about all we know about the Galaxy Fold, other than the price And the price is enough to make you not want to know anything else about the phone. I want you to sit down for a second. If you're holding anything, just just set it down. Set it down calmly. And make sure that you're sitting for this. $1,980. That is the st- 
starting price of the world's first production foldable phone. Yikes! (laughs) Holy cow! And so, here's what I have to say. First off, for those of you who already went out and bought one, um, good on you. Your hilarious overspending on a first-generation product has guaranteed the rest of us that we'll be able to get the next generation for cheaper because you helped cover the research and development cost for this monster. So props on you. For those of you who have more sense than money, I want you to to think with me for a moment. For $1,980, you too could get a Samsung Galaxy S10e, a 7-inch tablet, and a gaming laptop while you're at it too. Why not? For the same price as this folding phone, you can have an entire portable battle station and enough to go get coffee while you're out with your portable battle station. Now, when I say gaming laptop, I mean like, you know, a GTX 1060 grade gaming laptop, not not anything way high end. Heck, $1,980, that is more than I spent on my car! Rayco in the chat it just made the same point, too. You can get a decent used car for that. I paid less for my car than that. Oh, Lord. So, yeah, that's what came out of the Samsung event. There was also an update to... The um the Galaxy Watch to make it closer to being like the Apple Watch, but still not having the app ha- still not having the app support as the Apple Watch, but still having a better UI than the Apple Watch. But then again, my refrigerator also has a better UI than the Apple Watch, and my refrigerator was a what $80 special the blast thing doesn't even have a spring to to help force the door closed heck this screwdriver is a better UI than this than the Apple watch we're gonna take a quick breather here when we come back we need to talk about the world's worst named GPU in NVIDIA history the GTX 1660 Ti. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Now, Samsung isn't the only one with a foldable phone out there, obviously. There are a couple others, but they're very prototypey, And people are still trying to figure out what is the best way. Samsung's just the first one that has 
a finished, polished version of a foldable phone out there. The Chinese television manufacturer TCL has multiple different prototypes out there as they try to figure out what the best way to go. Some of which are book style, just like the Samsung one is. Others have the screen on the outside. So when you have it in phone mode, it literally looks like you went and tortured a book. But it's also a phone by having it bent inside out. And I just don't think that's a good look. Both either for phones or especially books. That just does terrible terrible things to the bind others that others that fold like an old style flip phone does but the one that catches me that that has me the most interested is one that very closely resembles a vaporware product that lenovo showed off at ces a couple years ago And it almost looks like a slap bracelet with a phone built into it that would wrap around your wrist like a watch. Hmm. That could be interesting. Could you imagine that? Just have have your phone on your wrist? And it's just like, okay, I need to use my phone. Just t- just take it off have, and then just unfurl it, straighten it up. And it's just like, okay, hello. Just hold it up to your ear and, and, and just act all normal. And just be like, okay, thanks, bye. And after you're done with your, after your call, just slap it on your wrist again like a slap bracelet. That would actually be really cool. I have no idea what the longevity of something like that would be or the battery life. Because considering the fact the majority of the device would have to bend like that, that would mean... There's only a very small area that the battery could be in. So as cool as the concept sounds, battery life sounds like that'd be a nightmare. Okay. There is now officially a cheaper, more affordable graphics card out there for the masses to enjoy out of NVIDIA. And yes, our fears are true. It is in fact named the GTX 1660 Ti. For those of you who don't understand why this is so mind-blowingly infuriating... I'll try to summarize as best as I can. For the longest time, when NVIDIA named graphic cards, the first number showed what generation it was. So a GTX 580 is the next generation of the GTX 480. The second digit, in this case the 8, showed the strength of the card. 80 was the top end, with an occasional 90 coming out. The 90s were almost always a dual GPU card. And as you went down, you'd have the 70s, the 60s, and then sometimes there'd be a TI in there 
which the TI basically means a half step. So say a 460 TI is between a 470 and a 460. All right, that makes sense, right? You follow. And this is hold true for the longest time. The only exception being that there were also the Titan cards, which were just better than anything with a number. Well, that's annoying, but whatever. I, I, you, you can wrap your head, head around that. Then after the GTX 10 series, which was the most recent one, we got the RTX series, the ray tracing cards. And there we had the RTX 2080 Ti, the 2080, the 2070, and the 2060. Okay, fine. We just skipped nine numbers, but whatever. We can understand that. And then this card shows up, the GTX 1660 Ti. This seems like a number that NVIDIA invented just to troll everyone who understood how the numbers worked. Like, they weren't satisfied with AMD absolutely ruining their number scheme. They're like, nah, we want a piece of that. We want to go and make sure nobody knows how to count anymore. Alright, so how does it perform? There's a new graphic card. What about it? Well, the GTX 1660 Ti does feature the new architecture that the RTX cards do, but it lacks any of the GPU cores that perform ray tracing. So you don't get the new ray tracing feature that nothing supports yet, except for like, what, three games? That's it? In addition, the RTX or the GTX 1660, there is not a reference design for it. So there's no NVIDIA blessed card that everyone else should build around. They just pretty much put the GP out there and said, hey, everyone go nuts. And normally you find this card at about $270. Which honestly. is not is is honestly not that bad all things considered and it does outperform the GTX 1070 so not only so not only does that outperform the the 1060 the card it would replace but it also outperforms the 1070 a step above that that's great that's a good generational improvement. There's nothing wrong with that. However, you really do need to be careful with this card when you pick one out. Because, and this has been talked to death, on various other tech YouTubers, Jay's Two Cents and Linus Tech Tips be, being the first two that popped, that come to mind, that talk about how some manufacturers are already making premium versions of the, G, of the GTX 1660 
that do not provide a whole lot of support or a whole lot of performance increase, but cost almost as much as the RTX 2060. That's not good. So, if you're on a budget, GTX 1660 seems like a good way to go. But if you want that nice, shiny ray tracing and future-proofing, you're probably going to be better off going for the RTX 2060. Now, the official reason from, from NVIDIA as to why... Why on earth was this card called the 1660? And I know I've been talking a lot about it, but it it bothers me. It bothers me and everyone else who ever thought they knew how to count. The, The explanation they gave to specifically Gamers Nexus is as follows. As far as naming goes and why 16 series instead of just using 11... Quite simply, we felt from an overall architectural and performance perspective, TU-1616 is closer to the other TU-10X parts than it is to the prior generation GP-10X. Let me interject. TU-116 is specifically specifically referring to the identifying number they give to the specific GPU. TU-116 is the chip that is in the GTX 1660. If if their reasoning is because the designation number is TU-116, this would literally be the first time ever that NVIDIA has named a gaming processor based on the chip. They have named... Tesla cards used for supercomputers after the chip in the card. But that's for supercomputers. That's for... That's for enterprise-level consumers. Not for the mass public who would never know or care about that sort of thing. Their explanation continues. The TU-116 has most of the Turing architecture features, including the new dedicated cores for the INT32 and FP16 operations, and it also has the new Turing shading features, including variable variable rate shading and mesh shading. And as you see, performance is closer to the GeForce RTX 2060 than it is to the GeForce GTX 1060. In fact, just like you said, it performs closest to the GTX 1070 beating it in some games and losing in others. So we ultimately settled on 1660 Ti instead of 1160 Ti. 16 is closer to 20, after all. That was the explanation NVIDIA gave to the Gamers Nexus YouTube channel. That's a bollocks reason. Why? Why not then just call it the GTX 2050 Ti? Like, realistically, 
why not call it the GTX 2050 Ti? Can someone give me a good reason for that? Because it's a G instead of an R? Well, the R means ray tracing. The G means there's no ray tracing. It wouldn't be the first time they've altered the letters. When you talk about cards that are not designed for gaming, that are more for media consumption, they are just called the GT cards. That would have made the most sense to me. Because aside from the fact that apparently I apparently counting doesn't matter anymore, you look at 16 versus 20 and you assume it's a different architecture, and it's not. I hope it, I hope Nvidia decides in the future to make more sense than this because th- this this is like low key triggering me to no end and a whole bunch of other people who have been in the know for the longest time. Now we're just lost, which is kind of what it feels like to be an AMD fan right now. All right, rumors are popping up. Or are these rumors? No, these are... Yeah, no, these are rumors. Rumors are popping up that there will, in fact, be a Xbox Game Pass for the Nintendo Switch. This means there will be Xbox games that will be playable for the Switch. This also might show that the Xbox might decide, you know, hey, maybe instead of being a, uh, maybe instead of being consoles, maybe we just offer uh, games on other platforms, uh, uh, uh. But this would mean, if this is true, and I want to state that carefully, if this is true, We could be seeing games like Halo on the Switch. Am I the only one that hears that and just feels a little dirty? That that, that feels weird. I, I feel a little unclean. It's almost as weird as seeing Skyrim on the Switch. Oh, wait a minute. That actually happened. Yeah, I guess it's okay then. Never mind. I withdraw everything. We'll see if it's if it's real, though. We'll see if it is real. In the same rumor mill, this one from Gematsu, we might be seeing two Xbox models at the next E3, one of which... Featuring more more working on uh what what's the what's the right way to go? Focusing more on streaming Xbox games rather than running them, and also featuring a diskless system. And then in addition, we have another one that is meant to be more of a high end device using an SSD rather than. A hard drive. What 
one of these things I believe more than the other. I do believe consoles switching to solid state storage over rotating hard drives makes a whole lot of sense. SSDs now are hilariously cheap. And I do mean that. Like a lot of us still think in our head, hard drive is always cheaper than a solid state drive. That's not true on lower capacities. Once you get higher than a terabyte, oh well, yes. Um, Rotating media is still faster. But you want to talk about like 500 gigs? The price is pretty close. It's actually kind of surprising. So it would not surprise me at all. Which would be good. It means faster boot times. Although, honestly, I don't really notice a whole lot of slowness on boot times and loading times on my PlayStation. But then again, that's a PlayStation, this is an Xbox. But they're the same hardware on the inside, and I digress. Let's move on. Let's instead talk about how Google might be showing off some gaming hardware. What? So, yeah, apparently Google is working on some game streaming hardware. Because why not? Why not? It's it's the one place Alphabet's not in yet. Why not? Let, let's just throw gaming in the mix. It's just like, hey, you, you want to go stream games from a Google server? We got you covered. I don't know, this story, it's shocking, but not surprising, if that makes any kind of sense. Of all the companies in the world to launch a game streaming service, Google to me feels like it would have been somewhere at the bottom of the list. But at the same time, are we really all that surprised? They were working on some stuff in the past regarding this. I mean, it's not like Google has processing power just literally everywhere and could totally manage to just power everyone's game console with the amount of freaking data centers they've got. That's not unreasonable either. It just seems weird. I mean, the only way Google's managed to get into my living room is with a Chromecast. Every other attempt they had has been a complete and utter failure. Think about it for a second. Name one Google product that you have connected to your TV that you liked outside of a Chromecast. You got nothing, do you? And that's my point. 
They have tried over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's just not worked. Now, what I could see is a portable doing it. But we'll see. This is all rumor right now. And we might see something as soon as March 19th, as that's when Google is expected to have their game developers conference. I actually just decided just to eliminate a story from the lineup, because I don't really have a whole lot to contribute to it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a quick shout out. The Hayabusa 2 has touched down on an, on an asteroid, which is actually, it's honestly actually a big deal. It is the first, it's, it's the first spacecraft that man has developed to successfully land on an asteroid. But that's, that's literally all I have to contribute to it. I, I got nothing beyond that, I'm sorry. Though what is kind of surprising is that uh, EA, who still thinks that Eagle Falcon is a swear word and should never ever be uttered in public. Eagle Falcon. Um, has decided to turn off the feature of their origin system that <laughs> that shared everyone's real name. Who thought that was a good idea? I, I want you to think for a second. Let's let's pretend you're not a troll for a second. If you are a troll, pretend you're not. Pretend you just want to go ahead and just play Anthem and have a happy old time. Do you really want that Jag who just took you out or really messed up or that you got angry at because they messed up some, some operation somewhere to know that you're actually Bob Bobberson and now if they were super, super crazy enough to hunt you down? No! Th th no! This was a dumb, dumb Dumb, 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 dumb feature. It's almost as dumb as saying that Eagle Falcon is a swear word. Which, by the way, they still do. And that still annoys me to no end. I am not going to let it go. Disbunny in the chat says, imagine if you're a woman all the dick you'll get oh although then again what's really stopping someone from putting down a fake real name what if someone tried to use that as bait to try and get photos like that 
We're shifting gears now. Like, no good can come from this. There is, however, good that can come out of SoundCloud letting artists distribute music to Spotify and Apple Music. This I actually do approve of. Beginning artists now have a very easy outlet. Two places like Spotify and Apple Music to get out there and be able to distribute what they work so hard on. I mean, I am fortunate enough to work through Spreaker. That's the place that hosts this podcast. And they're able to not only let me manage this podcast very easily, but also distribute to iTunes, to Google, to Spotify, to iHeartRadio, if you get approved, to Stitcher, to literally every single podcasting platform that exists out there. And it was incredibly easy, and I am glad to see something like SoundCloud do the same for developing artists. So, you know, here's to you guys. You keep at it. Smatch. Regret the van points out in the chat. Yeah, but you can't distribute your podcast through EA because my name is a swear word. Ha. 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 Smatch is demoing the latest update to their handheld, not a PC, but totally a PC portable game console. There's more and more evidence that this strange little adorable device is actually becoming closer and closer to being real. And I think they got the biggest boost out of the fact that they're now powered by AMD's Ryzen processors. That is great. The fact that the processors run cooler, unless you use a Threadripper, the fact they can include a Vega GPU in, in the same chip, this, this is great. This is why, for the longest time, I kept saying, AMD, please, get your bleeping butt in gear and do something! And they are. I actually can't wait to hear more about the Smash Z, including a cost. Do we actually have a cost in their article here? Oh. And just like that, finding out that the pre-orders for the Smash Z start at $700 and... You, you, you go get them, guys. I, I believe in you. I, I can't help you, but you, you go get them. HTC is coming out with the Vive Focus Plus. This is a VR headset that will, in theory, be able to work without the need 
for any sort of room sensors. And also possibly work wirelessly and on its own. I'd say great. Hopefully it actually works. Hopefully it works as well as they hope. That's that's pretty much the biggest deal right there. It's got to work well. And I hope this one does. But if it's working on its own, and that's the part I actually don't know. Let's actually see. Does it require a PC? It actually does not say whether it's on its own or not. Well, the device itself will supposedly cost... Nothing. We have no idea yet. So, Vive Focus Plus, it does exist. They are working on it. Hopefully, it's going to be less than the $600 the original Vive was. Hopefully, it's also going to actually require a computer. Because, honestly, if the entire the entire system is built into the headset, that that's a no-go for me. That's just... Ugh. You do not have the hardware in a headset alone for good VR. You need that external computing device. Speaking of which, from Wired.com, we have here the Speed Grip, a VR headset that is supposed to give the best visual clarity ever. To be as accurate to real life as possible, assuming your hardware can push the pixels to power this immaculate, amazing, top-tier VR headset. And the headset is is available at the low, low price of $6,000. What? Yeah, you want to talk about um, a device that's a non-starter because of the giant price wall? There you go. All right, let's get out of VR. That's starting to bore me. Instead, let's talk about how Apple is rumored to have plans on phasing out their kind of their their app wall right now. So right now. You can't run Mac apps on the iPhone and iPad. You can't run iOS apps on the Mac. They have to be compiled for those various architectures. There are plans for Apple to be able to combine Mac apps and iPhone and iPad apps by 2021. This also implies... That Apple will move away from Intel at that time. That's me talking. That is not Bloomberg where I'm getting this rumor from. That is interesting to say the least. Because if you expect backwards compatibility, something's got to give. Either the iPhone and the iPad need to run x86, which 
let's be honest, Apple is way too proud of their mobile chips to drop them in favor for an Intel Atom. It's not happening. You know it's not. On top of that, (laughs) Apple has no idea how to cool Intel chips. They would much rather make their own chips and then inferiorly cool them. So I'd say, yeah. We might start seeing the death of the x86 chip in Max. Again, that's me talking. That's not Bloomberg talking. I think that move is very, very soon. We'll find out. It's only two years away. And by then, I'll completely forget that I made the prediction. Microsoft is already skipping ahead and working on its 2020 version of Windows 10, mostly because, well, let's be honest, the um, the the 2018 October update that launched early 2019, that was a little embarrassing, to say the least. So yeah, they're going to work on next year's big update a little sooner. Just a little sooner. So they're already working on that. Samsung is embracing the death of discs. And according to CNET, is going to stop making Blu-ray players now. No more Samsung Blu-ray players in the U.S. market. Feels bad. And most of us are going, well, pff, who cares? Who cares? You're not going to be able to watch Blu-rays, whatever. I can think of people who care. Rabbinum even the chat says that uh, Samsung Blu-ray players have had the worst update support anyway. So maybe it's just out of a... So, so maybe it actually is just Samsung saying, hey, you know what? We're done. Bye. Peace. We've hated messing with these things anyway. Rather than a death of Blu-ray in general. But yes, people still use Blu-ray. Specifically, a lot of truckers use Blu-ray. In the back of a lot of trucks, you've got TVs... And it's not uncommon to go ahead and have (laughs) that, that there's a lot of trucks back, back there. You got the, you got the TV. So you go ahead and you just hook up like a game console or whatnot. But of course they have a hard time getting an internet connection to say, watch Netflix or something like that. Heck one of our regulars here on um on Twitch TV on on my Twitch channel, uh, Neo Gunner gripes every time we don't get an ingest server because of course his internet connection's bad because he's in the back of a truck and Rabbit Amiibo also points out that he complains about it too 
but that's less to do with living in the back of a truck and more about local inner providers not giving proper bandwidth like they should. Hint, hint. <laughs> Looking at you, ISPs. Looking at you. Come on, man. Throw the guy a bone. But yeah, you don't want to go ahead and download, say, a big, giant, freaking Netflix movie through your barely functional 3G network connection. That's all you could get in the back of the truck stop you had to stop at. So no, Blu-rays and DVDs are a huge benefit to the truckers there. In fact, that's probably the biggest collection of, of discs I see is at truck stops. All right, before we get to the last burb, I do want to acknowledge what might go down in history as the cleanest public retirement ever. The soon-to-be former president of Nintendo uh, Amer- of Nintendo America, Reggie has made it official he is retiring from Nintendo. (laughs) Honestly, Reggie has been... (laughs) Every time the guy makes any kind of announcement, it has always been a treat to watch. The guy has just been amazing. No matter what the internet threw at him, no matter what silly meme they made, he always rolled with it. He was just a gem. And of course, everyone knows my body is Reggie. Probably one of the longest going gamer memes there ever was, at least involving Nintendo. What's really funny about it, and what chat currently is trying to make me laugh about, is that there is already... He's already announced who will be taking his place as president of Nintendo of America. And, I kid you not, this is not a joke. The new soon-to-be president of Nintendo of America is Doug Bowser. I am serious. It took, no joke, all of, I would say, 30 minutes for the internet to dig up a picture of Doug Bowser with a nice friendly smile on his face and holding up a, a poster saying saying thank you for the job but in the background it showed a Mario and Luigi doll with a Nintendo cord and a controller wrapped around them on top of that it took less than an hour for Doug Bowser to trend on Twitter And the best part was, it was trending on Twitter because people on Twitter kept saying, do not under any circumstances 
make Doug Bowsett a trend. And then for the next two hours after that, people reacting about how Doug Bowsett became a trend and what did the internet do to make it a trend. But in all seriousness, we're going to miss Reggie. The fact that he's also retiring, not because he's got any sort of disease, not because there's any sort of scandal involving the man, but just because he's just, you know what? I've had a good run. It's time for me to go ahead and just spend more time with the family. I kid you not, this has to be the cleanest retirement in recent history reiko in the chat says his princess is in another castle <laughs> oh lord but reiko also did say nintendo does right more often than any other electronics company that's true nintendo recently has had some hiccups but honestly i mean when was the last time you can think of that Nintendo ever did any sort of, like, cash-in sort of thing? Like, the only one I can think of is Mario Jump for iOS, and that's it. Or the terrible atrocity that the Animal Crossing thing was for the iOS. That's pretty much it, and there hasn't been anything since. They thought that was going to be a trend, they tried to cash in on it, they are like, nah, we're out. And that's it. They're out. Gone. Alright, let's move to the last burb. The last story of the day. The weirdest story of the day. Spectrum TV is going to be offering a subscription service to Apple TV to bring 60 channels to your Apple TV for $15 a month. With all the ads and everything, just it's just to be 60 channels, 60 channels as though you had cable, on your Apple TV, as though, it's just cable TV, it is literally offering you cable TV on your Apple TV. I don't get it. Why? Why would you do this? It's bad enough that their cable boxes, and I can attest to this, their current cable boxes are atrocious. But why? Why would you do... Oh, hey, look, we're going to offer you 60 channels for a monthly subscription. It's just cable TV again. The only difference is that it's through an Apple box instead of your atrocious always breaking down DVRs. This is just a feedback loop. We're going around in circles, people. Why? That's the thing that just jumps out at me. Now, I will defend Spectrum in a couple areas. 
I'm not going to offend this. Though, though, this, this, this to me feels super, super dumb. Because at least in my area, Spectrum is a great internet service. Now, their cable service, on the other hand, my own personal experience is minimal. I've heard from multiple people that their cable boxes break down all the bloody t- all the all, all the time, which is probably why they're switching to this model. <laughs> and honestly, their internet service, although the upload they give me does seem to be a little shoddy, I have no complaints other than. I want more upload. I want more upload speeds. But I'm also a weirdo who also has, you know, a data center rack in his spare bedroom. So I'm not the average user by any stretch of the imagination. But here's my next question. Is is this just going to be the trend now? Is cable TV as a whole just going to die off and it's just going to very, very... Just feedback and everyone's just going to have their own Netflix thing. It just comes off as bizarre to me, without a doubt. And the fact that this is also only available to... To to the Apple TV just comes off as... Well, well, thanks, guys. Thanks. That's going to do it for me. Make sure you check out our daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, at wherever you found this podcast, and my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Falcon. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Now, the real question I have for Spectrum, which 60 channels? Because, I mean, if this package is going to give me TLC, then that's just the poison batch that's going to ruin everything else. I'm automatically out. Just There's just no way. No. There's no way I'm going to let that breed of reality TV infect the batch.